Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, October 11th, marks our 80th show. My name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm, of course, your host for today's program, CDI Expansion into OBGYN. I'm joined today by my co-host, the top left corner of your uh, screen there, Sharm Brody. Uh, Sharm is a CDI Education Specialist here with us at Actus and HC Pro and serves as a full-time instructor for our CDI boot camps, as well as a subject matter expert for Actus. Uh, She has nine years of CDI experience, including a background in consulting and program implementation, and I'm glad to have her back on the show. So welcome, Sharm. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. All right. Now I'm going to introduce our industry guest. As you can see, we have a uh, a small team here from Novant Health. So I'm going to just quickly go through their their bios here, and you can certainly read more about them on your screen. Um, first, uh, uh, top right is Abby Steelhammer. Um, Abby is the Director of Clinical Documentation Excellence at Novant Health, which is a multi-facility system based in Winston-Salem in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Abby's dedicated over 20 years to the healthcare industry, working in settings including trauma, critical care, rehab, case management. Um, She implemented the CDI program at Novant Health in 2008. And since um, and during her tenure, the program has grown tremendously. And we'll be talking a little bit about some of that growth today and uh, a little bit of a non-traditional service line. So uh, welcome, Abby. Thank you so much. So glad to be here, Brian. Absolutely. All right, next I'd like to introduce uh, Michelle Walters. Uh, Michelle is an MSN RNCOB. Uh, She is a Women's Services CDS um, with Novant Health. She has 10 years of experience as a staff nurse and clinical unit leader of Novant Health FMC Women's Services, a tertiary regional referral center delivering 6,000 babies per year. Kind of see her um, clinical background there and She's dedicated her career to quality and women's health, which is carried into her work in uh, CDE or clinical documentation excellence. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you. All right. And finally, we have Sandra uh, Surratt. Uh, Sandy is a women's services CDS also with Novant Health. Novant Health, excuse me. <laughs> she brings uh, 43 years of experience in women's health nursing. Um, Varied roles include 18 years as a bedside nurse. Uh, expertise ranges from sick and well newborns. And again, you can see her clinical experience there. I'm, I'm really pleased to have this great team on today's show. So uh, welcome, uh, Sandy. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to start uh, with a poll question related to today's topic. I ask you to take a look at that and pick the um, answer that best pertains to yourself, but the poll reads, have you expanded your CDI department's review responsibilities to include OBGYN? And your options are, yes, we are presently reviewing this service line. Uh, No, but we're planning to do so. No, and you don't have any foreseeable plans to do so. Maybe you're not sure. 
or not applicable for those that aren't, again, in an acute care setting. So again, have you expanded your CDI department's review responsibilities to include OBGYN? Uh, options are yes, you're presently in this service line reviewing charts. Uh, no, but maybe you're planning to do so. Maybe the show will convince you to do so. Uh, no and no plans to do so, not sure or not applicable. All right, we've got about 80% uh, of our audience that has voted, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to close this out and we will uh, come back to the results in just um, after our interview. So. As I mentioned, our guests today are Abby, Michelle, Sandy. Again, welcome to the program and thanks for being a part of uh, Actus Radio. Well, let's let's jump right in. Maybe we can, um, maybe Abby, you could start and maybe talk a little bit about what prompted Novant to uh, begin reviewing the OBGYN service line and what, what got you into this area. Yes, of course. Thanks, Brian. Um, we really started to dialogue and talk about the OBGYN service line probably five or six years ago uh, when we were thinking about preparations for I-10 and our tra transition around I-10. We also got questions. We do focus on a service line approach at Novant, and so some of our um, providers and or service line leaders had inquired uh, and, and we wanted to look at opportunity in that service line. At the time when we initially started looking, we weren't really sure which way to go or how it would work. And we felt like, okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about this, but kind of put it on the back burner for a bit. And then as we started to excel our preparation around I-10, we recognized the sheer volume of risk, if you will, that could potentially be associated with that population, uh, given the volume of discharges per year in our organization around any of those changes. We also um, are aligned in clinical improvement or quality for Novant Health. So there were questions that came up from time to time around um, you know, particular diagnoses and if we could weigh in. So that also started leading us down a path. And, and through all those moving parts, we felt like we wanted to embark upon that service line really immediately post I-10, which is what we did. We knew given the volume, it would be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, so we had to think about that. And then another, um, uh, real phase to that was our um, activity around patient safety indicators. There are three patient safety indicators that are very, very heavily focused in the OBGYN area. So when we were um, starting to become more involved around that, it really tied in nicely with some of the dialogue we were already having. Excellent. Thank That'd you. Good. Um, I, I'll ask a question now. How about Michelle? Maybe could answer this one for me. You did mention diagnosis a, a minute ago. So, what diagnosis did you find in OBGYN that needed the clarification? Um, I get asked that question a lot. What would people be looking for? Sure. Thank you, Charm. Um, what really started us on this journey was um, with the diagnosis of rupture of membranes. When ICD-10 went live, there became no way to code for a spontaneous rupture of membranes. 
um, it came down to two different ways that could be documented, which was premature rupture of membranes or preterm premature rupture of membranes. Um, and so those patients that would come in at between 37 weeks and 38 and six weeks um, who had rupture of membranes and the physicians were documenting that they had spontaneously ruptured, but that was unable to be coded in that way, it led it to be reported as an early elective delivery. And so that was really an opportunity for us to educate those physicians on the way that the documentation needed to change in order to capture that correctly. Um, we were not inappropriately early electively delivering those patients. It was appropriate, um, but just that education and documentation needed to go out to those physicians. Um, some of the other diagnoses as we got into it and started looking, um, we saw some impact around hypertensive disorders, um, preeclampsia, um, is huge diagnosed across all of our facilities, um, but it has greater impact if you can capture that they have chronic hypertension that they brought into that pregnancy that complicates it. Um, and so we saw an impact on that SOI and ROEM when we got that captured. Um, also with the addition of the hypertensive emergencies, um, those preeclamptic patients um, have episodes of acute hypertensive um, disorders and are treated, but we weren't effectively capturing that in our documentation. Um, another is a postpartum hemorrhage project that is across of all of our facilities that is aligned with the Perinatal Quality Collaborative of North Carolina um, and being able to capture postpartum hemorrhages that occurred um, and as it relates to acute blood loss anemia and capturing that. Um, we also look at perineal, perineal lacerations and episiotomies. Um, during, just recently did a retrospective review um, and found lots of documentation opportunities um, for clarification in the, in the terminology used by the physicians um, as it relates to a laceration versus an episiotomy versus a tear. Um, and those also affect those patient safety indicators 18 and 19, which are specific for third and fourth degree perineal lacerations. Um, and episiotomies are another um, measure that is reported out for quality. Um, another area that we found that we really had some opportunity was in OBGYN procedures. Um, the OBs frequently use abbreviations for procedures that require some further clarification and are a lot of times missed by coding because it is an abbreviation that they're not familiar with. Well, thank you very much. I think you can come on the road with me and you can repeat that. <laughs> yeah, lots of opportunity. Much more than I thought of. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, I appreciate that, Michelle, talk, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, staffing. I'm, I'm sure folks that are listening are wondering, you know, how you guys got into this area. Um, maybe, maybe to start with you, Abby, what sort of what changes you have to make regarding staffing? It looks like you've got a couple of real, 
uh, veterans with a lot of clinical experience in this area, but were Sandy and Michelle uh, folk, uh, did you bring them in specifically for this line or did you have to reconfigure any other CDI responsibilities to make this happen? Yes, um, thanks so much for that question, Brian, um, because it, 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 it was a bit of a transition and we certainly had to think through how to tackle uh, this population specifically given the volume, um, the sheer volume, if you will, across the organization um, that is OBGYN. Um, also looking at the amount of time uh, typically that these patients may be in our facilities, um, being able to be, um, you know, very purposeful and intent with um, what we could impact and, and where we were looking and, and spending our time. We were fortunate enough to have Michelle and Sandy on the team already, and um, I think that their years of OBGYN experience uh, really has led them to be as successful as they are in this service line. But we were able to get the program up and running very, very quickly because they already had the CDE piece down as well and had both been out there practicing doing concurrent review um, across a very general population in CDI already. Um, and, and so that really, really helped. I think if you're bringing someone in that needs either one of those components, it certainly does, um, you know, bring, bring about some other considerations for that orientation period. We also have, because we work and focus and collaborate with quality, we have analysts uh, in the clinical improvement department, not on in our department per se, but that work very closely with those clinical teams and those providers. So I initially had a partnership um, with those team members through our larger division of clinical improvement. And so they were able to um, meet specifically with Sandy and Michelle early in this process to really identify or talk about some of the things and, and challenges that they were experiencing. So I think that partnership was um, extremely helpful to um, give us some good foundation right away. Um, but but we really chose to take a different approach than we do with other patient populations. Um, with OBGYN, we decided initially we were going to have two. Uh, we have three larger markets within Novant. Um, the, the two, there are two markets, Charlotte and Winston, that have multiple facilities and multiple uh, considerations. And then we do have um, a smaller market in Virginia. So we now have um, a regular CDS, uh, you know, who, who, who sees the general population, but then also works with Michelle and Sandy and the expertise that they've developed through their process in the larger markets to now see the OBGYN population in the, in the smaller market. So almost a, a train the trainer um, situation with that team member, which has been great. But we, we, we chose to initially start with two individuals who could focus on 
education first based on what we felt like we were seeing within our patient safety indicator work and from our analyst partners in quality and from our coding partners. So we very quickly developed some educational tools and we divided the program into um, phases. So we really did an assessment phase first and then looked at an implementation or development phase where we decided where we were going to focus our efforts. It's very goal-driven, our OBGYN uh, program, because we, we do have to really try to limit um, where we're focusing based on where we're going to have the most impact or where we feel like we're needed. And then we can move from there only having two individuals. And that approach has been great. We um, utilize EPIC for our EHR. So um, anyone out there that has EPIC um, is probably very familiar with their work queue capability. So we've been able to leverage some work queue capability to then um, look at where our opportunities are and have those types of cases then roll into the work queue. We initially maybe framed it um, around a payer view, if that's what we were doing with other, um, you know, other patient populations, just to try to get used to the charts, familiar with the charts. Uh, but now we're really in a process with, with trying to drill that down so that we're focusing our work cues on specific diagnoses. And a lot of those diagnoses are what would have been mentioned by Michelle um, in, in uh, Sharm's earlier question. Um, it's worked very well for us. It is uh, very different from um, our approach with other patient populations, but I've really enjoyed the education focus that they've brought. Uh, because that then is something that we've been able to also leverage across the rest of the team in terms of how they can support the rest of the team. So um, I think it's worked very well. Yeah, I love the educational focus. Absolutely. Okay, it's my turn. This time I'm going to pick on Sandy for a minute. Okay. Um, you talked a little, <laughs> you, everyone, I think, has mentioned quality a little bit in their answers. And my question was regarding the benefits that you've reaped from going into the OBGYN um, patient population. But what about in, can you specifically give us some of the examples of payment and maybe the quality that you are looking at and what the benefits have been? Sure. And, and you know, I think that it's definitely a combination of both quality and payment. Um, OB is a little bit different in the fact that most of our DRGs are two-tier DRGs and a lot of times the primary diagnosis um, drives that DRG. So it really isn't necessarily a matter of those, um, those secondary diagnosis adding um, the CCs and the MCCs that you know, would drive it to a, a second or a third tier. Um, so we, you know, we, can't necessarily say we're we're making a huge financial impact as far as DRG changes. However, capturing those secondary DRGs is definitely driving the severity of illness, the risk of mortality. Um, it's definitely changing our estimated length of stay for these patients. Um, it changes the weight of the DRG. So it, it really does have a secondary financial impact for us, but as far as necessarily, and I think a lot of people 
maybe want to a lot of a lot of companies maybe want to steer away from OB because they don't feel like there's the financial impact. However, I think with the quality impact, that probably is going to drive um, the financial a little bit more so than that. So, um, you know, you have to look at I think long term how is the weight going to drive the case mix index for a facility and that sort of thing. So it's it's a longer term, not a month by month financial impact that you're necessarily looking for. We've also found, um, as Michelle and Abby both have already mentioned, um, we've found that opportunity with our um, quality measures, our um, perinatal core measures, those patient safety indicators that we have a lot of in, um, a lot of opportunity on the front end to more more likely be able to clarify those um, diagnosis as a concurrent review rather as a rather than as a retrospective coding review or something along those lines. Um, Michelle, you want to talk a little bit about how those secondary diagnoses can eventually, um, perhaps, we see in the future being pay for performance and and that kind of thing. Sure, thanks, Sandy. I think that you know, as we look at what the benefits are to doing these reviews of this patient population, um, it's really focused on that indirect revenue, um, as you know healthcare changes and we look towards the future of what CDI um, that changes along with it, really that pay for performance, this is sort of a, a purview that um, has that quality base to it that adding those secondary diagnoses ensure that it's complete for HCC compliance um, and for really the future to ensure that we are getting the most accurate um, picture of that patient um, so that, you know, if you focus on the quality, the revenue comes along with it. Absolutely. You know, we're, nice. we're, we're closing in on time here. I just wanted to maybe wrap up before we go back to our poll question. Is there any maybe takeaway or, or, or a lesson learned that anyone would like to share from someone who's listening and maybe thinking of expanding um, into this area? I think one of the biggest lessons that Michelle and I have learned is that we have spent a lot of time building relationships with our providers. We're coming from two hospitals that are part of a, a 13 facility corporation and nine of those facilities actually have OB programs. So we've spent a lot of time with those physicians that we that don't know us by reputation. Um, building relationships, doing um, education that is meeting them in their space rather than uh, taking time to uh, take away from their OB committees and that sort of thing. We've done a lot of um, education with the different practices and met them in an in a kind of an off-site way so that we do have a little bit of a relationship. We've given them a lot of background information so that when our queries come, when they uh, hear us introduce new material, that it really do is accepted very well. So I think those relationships are a big part of the education that we provide for them being 
accepted. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, uh, Sandy and Michelle and Abby. Uh, great stuff today, and thanks for sharing a bit of your program. I'm going to go ahead and share our poll results at this time. Um, again, we asked folks, um, have you expanded your CDI department's review responsibilities to include OBGYN? So uh, according to the poll, uh, 26% of our audience say yes, we're presently reviewing this service line. Uh, 14% are, um, say no, but they're planning to get into it. Hopefully we've given them some good ideas. Uh, 42%, close to half, are not and aren't planning to do so either. Um, another 9% not sure and 8% not applicable. Um, so any, any comments, Abby, maybe to start, anything surprise you with the, with the poll results here? Um, I'm definitely um, pleased to hear that there is, uh, did you say about a 20% that's already reviewing? Did I hear that right? I think it was your first, 26%. I think that's great. Uh, I would certainly love to maybe um, explore how the ACTUS membership can potentially network with those 26% that are already seeing it to try to, um, you know, share best practices. So I think that's great. Um, I am a little bit surprised at the number of folks that um, answered that they don't they don't plan to, um, but but I hope that after some of the discussion today, um, and looking at the numbers, because I think if you look at having really two full time dedicated staff members for an organization of our size and the impact that we've been able to yield thus far that it does make it very, very advantageous. So so I'm hopeful that maybe after our discussion today, some folks will, will start thinking about it. All right. Well, really appreciate that. I don't know if you have anything to add, Sandy or Michelle. I think that we're seeing an increase. You know, I think when we started, you know, three years ago, beginning to talk about it, and then a year ago, actually implemented, I know the numbers have gone up. So beginning to believe that people are seeing that there is a lot of value to that OBGYN portion of Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and move quickly to our In the News segment. Again, In the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Today, I'd like to discuss briefly a recent article from our own Actus blog, uh, Your 2018 IPPS Final Rule Questions Answered. Uh, if you haven't been over to Actus blog, it's accessible uh, from the actus.org website. You just go, uh, you will find the, the link there. Um, so it's a supplemental site where we have some additional articles. We published this one is from our instructor, Alan Frady, summarizing some of the changes, some of the highlights that are in the 2018 IPPS rule. As a reminder, this was released in uh, August and took effect just recently on October 1. Uh, there are some changes here that are, that are certainly worth um, taking a look at as, as a CDI department or certainly as a coding department as well. Um, you know, uh, from the article, for example, COPD and pneumonia sequencing are being clarified. Uh, sequence, sequencing these conditions now depends on the circumstances of the encounter. You know, our, again, Alan Frady notes that that was the correct interpretation of the rule, but maybe wasn't as clear until this uh, rule was issued. 
Um, we're seeing some additional revenue for total ankle replacement without an MCC. Um, so that's some good news there for payment. Uh, going back to some uh, coding changes here, there is a new uh, type 2 MI code, which is an MCC to be aware of. Um, we've got some skin excisions now removed from surgical DRG logic. We had some, some days where simple skin debridements were ending up as surgery uh, DRGs. Those, those days are gone uh, per Allen here. Um, quite a bit more. He goes into some detail here. We've got um, TIA or, or transient ischemic attack that now groups to a higher weighted DRG, but only when the drug TPA is administered during the same admission. And of course, as long as it's captured appropriately in coding, it does result in a higher payment rate. I actually think we have our old friend Jim Kennedy to thank for this. I believe he was the comment that got this um, change made. We've got some um, grouper logic on spinal fusions corrected. Um, really some more that's worth checking out here. I can't get into all of it, but I just recommend you go and take a look at the article um, that Alan's published here on our Actus blog. Uh, we also have a uh, we had a recent show, um, CDI update for 2018 coding targets uh, that took place on Friday, October 6th. If you're interested, that show is still available on demand. So um, I don't know if I have any quick comments from our Novant team just on the IPPS rule. And if you guys have been able to go through this or do you guys have a process for what you might do at, at Novant when uh, the new rules are released? Yeah, so we... We are fortunate um, enough to have um, an educator uh, on our team. Uh, her name is Elisa Snincheck, and she um, puts together information when we get the updates that's easily uh, transferable um, around, around um, key points and highlights. Uh, so we've already had a lot of dialogue uh, amongst our team as well as um, I recently attended uh, our UR committees uh, in, in both of our larger markets and was able to share a little bit of a snapshot there because there are some um, key uh, providers in attendance. So that's helpful. And then each of the CDSs, um, you know, at their facilities would then be responsible for communicating those across their service lines or at the community hospital level where they work and um, to any of their physician champions. And then I've had leadership um, just recently put together a, a snapshot one pager which is great, very similar to the bullets that um, you've listed, where we can also communicate with higher level leaders across the organization to be able to support that messaging and uh, keep the messaging consistent. All right. Thanks, Abby. Um, I'm just going to quickly wrap up. Um, I, I know we're at time here, but as, as folks might have seen, uh, Actus is celebrating our 10-year uh, anniversary. We did a show on this. Um, our last program was featuring uh, our 10 years of Actus. So just want to remind folks that we're going to be celebrating all month long. Um, stay tuned for a special report we're putting out for our members, uh, a fun one with some pictures and reminiscence of uh, 10 years of, of Actus. Um, we're offering 10 products all, all month long at 20% off. Uh, there is a discount code, BIRTHDAY10. If you put that in, you will um, be able to receive that discount. So I encourage you to, to take a look at that. Uh, that also applies for Actus membership and or renewal. 
So if you're thinking about renewing your membership, you can um, receive that at 20% off. Uh, that's something we're happy to offer with, with 10 years of Actus. So enjoy that virtual cupcake you're seeing <laughs> on your screen there. Um, I know I, I know we're, we're we're at time, Abby, but I, I do appreciate uh, you being a member all these years and and the and the Vaughn team, and um, it's been a great run. And I hope uh, to see everyone in another 10 years of Actus. We're certainly plan on on being here for you as an association. Absolutely, it's been great for our team. Thanks so much, Brian. All right. With that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, that will do it for today's edition of Actus Radio. We'll be back in two weeks for an update on uh, important diagnosis, obviously sepsis. We're going to be having um, Dr. Sam Antonios from our advisory board who's unearthed some more uh, clinical information and a new article we're going to be sharing that might help, some shed, uh, help shed some light on this. So, uh, But as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, please send me an email. You can reach me at bmurphy at actus.org. Well, that will do it for today, and uh, we'll see you back in two weeks, and take care, everyone. Thank you.